Listen up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Listen Up, the Louisville Urban League's radio show and podcast. I am Lyndon Pryor as interim president and CEO of the Louisville Urban League and your host. It is so good to be back with you again this week. Remember, new episodes of this podcast drop every week on Thursdays around noon. Be sure to find us any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Subscribe, rate us, review us, let us know what you think of the show. Louisville, I hope you have had a tremendous week and weekend. Um, since last we were together, a lot has transpired in the league. For those um, who were able to make it, we had our annual impact report luncheon on Friday. Um, great turnout. Hundreds and hundreds of folks showed up and supported the organization. It was wonderful to be able to talk about our um, impact from the past year. Um, and we got to celebrate some really special folks. So if you you had not seen um, on social media or elsewhere, we were able to announce a, a few kind of big things. One being um, the endowments for former presidents Ben Richmond and Sadiqa Reynolds. Um, we announced their establishment and what they will be focused on. And so with Ben, his endowment is going to award a scholarship of at least $10,000 to um, a student who's going to major in, in business. Um, and then his endowment is also going to award um, two $5,000 grants to participants in our Black Business and Entrepreneur Center for Entrepreneurship uh, programs. And so that's going to be awesome and, and so glad that we were able to do that for Sadiqwa. She wanted to focus her endowments um, in and around the mental health space. And so she's going to, uh, her endowment will also gift a scholarship of at least $10,000 to a student who has um, overcome some mental health challenges, either they themselves or um, in their immediate family. And then she's also going to do a special scholarship for a frontline Urban League staff member, uh, basically a wellness scholarship to go out and, and get some um, mental health and, and just some a retreat um, to be able to take care of themselves because sometimes doing this work is hard and so both of those are really cool and exciting opportunities there'll be more information um coming out about that particularly the scholarships because i know people are, are anxiously um you know anticipating details on that as as we move in towards the spring now's the time for folks to start applying for scholarships and doing those sorts of things and so um there will be more information available on how to apply for those awards, but it was just exciting to be able to announce them there at the luncheon. The other big piece of news that we were able to announce is that the Urban League and Rebound are going to be building um, a 15-unit affordable housing um, complex on Market Street, and we are going to name that in honor of Ben Richmond, um, former Urban League president and CEO. And for those who don't know, Ben also founded Rebound Inc., um, our affordable housing affiliate. And so we felt like it was truly a um, 
just a, a good thing um, to be able to honor Ben in that way um, by naming the complex. And so there'll be more details on that. There'll be an official groundbreaking and all that sort of stuff coming up probably in the new year. Um, but it was good to be able to share that and to announce that. And so, Ben, if you are listening, know that you are loved um, and appreciated um, incredibly um, for all that you've done for Louisville, for that you've done for the Urban League, that you've done for black people. Um, and so we want to make sure that you have your flowers, sir, and you are well deserving of those. And so um, it was a good time. It was a really good time. And then after that, the staff from the league went out and had some mandatory fun. And so we had a good time. Um, and so it, it was a long week uh, um, getting to Friday, but it was it was a good time. And then shout out to Splendid Events. Pam and Lauren brought us um, our event planners who did a phenomenal job, um, as well as our entire development team who helped to put that program together. Uh, it, it is just a really, really awesome and phenomenal event. And so was so honored to be able to to participate and and to speak there uh, last Friday. Other things that are going on, um, I reminded y'all last week, you know, January 20th, we've got our HBCU Indoor Classic. Um, again, tickets will be on sale soon. Be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a good time, y'all. We're going to be doing something a little different this year than we have the previous two, and so be be watching for that. Um, it's going to be a whole experience, and so we're really excited for that. But January 20th, be prepared to come out and kick it with us all day long. Um, and then I hope that you are getting ready for year-end giving. It is that time of year. Um, if you've got some pennies left over and want to make sure you get your good tax write-off heading into 24, um, please think of the league as well as other really um, awesome organizations. Please uh, be thinking about us in your year-end giving. Now is the time. You can always give to the league, lul.org forward slash donate um, is the easiest way to do it. But there are lots of organizations that deserve your coins, that need your support um, to continue to do the good work that they are doing. So all in all, though, Louisville, I just hope that you are well, that you are safe, that you are happy, that you are whole this week, um, wherever this podcast finds you and so you know we always record this a couple days in advance but hope you are looking forward to the weekend as well now on to our guest uh, for this week um, this is a young brother who many of you know out in community who who gets around and has done lots of different things in lots of different spaces and places and so I'm excited because he is now actually formally connected um, to the Urban League, um, and we'll talk about that connection here in a little bit. Uh, but Mr. Von Barnes, welcome what's to up, the podcast, what's up, sir. What's up? How's everybody doing today? How are you doing today? I'm good, sir. Thank you for joining us. And so here's how we do this. Um, I don't do much in the way of formal introductions. I love for guests to introduce themselves. So give the people the quick and dirty on who is Von Barnes, where are you from, um, what do you do, and how did you arrive in this space that you are currently in? Great. Thanks. First of all, thanks for having me. Um, who am I? What's up, everybody? My name is Von Barnes. I am from uh, New Jersey or Florida by way of New Jersey, and uh, I do a lot of work in the urban agriculture food space, um, the founder of Kentucky in the Backyard Farms, an idea that was taking my backyard 
turning into a farm in the Kentucky and the area. And then currently I am working on trying to get more people to start growing and having their own food in their neighborhood so they don't have to go to Kroger or Walmart or whatever it is, big box store that they get food from. All right. And with that, I guess, how did you get to Louisville? Um, so the back, back, back story, um, in college, uh, I had a scholarship that afforded me the opportunity to travel. And, uh, I looked at a, a bunch of different schools throughout the nation. It was about like, I narrowed it down to 20, 20 went to 10, 10 down to five. And then my three was, um, Alabama, Louisville, and then Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers, I could have went back to New Jersey, didn't want to go back to Jersey. Alabama, uh, something about racism just made me say, you know what, I ain't going to do it. As much as I like Alabama football, as much as I like elephants and things like that, it's just, yeah, I ain't going to do it. And then uh, and then there was Louisville. Um, I came here, uh, like I said, on that scholarship, mm. and uh, I just slowly fell in love with the place and decided that, you know, this is going to be the next phase of my life. And... Mm. You know, it was then and then now, a decade plus later, still here, uh, business owner, homeowner. My kid was born here, so I'm here for a good little minute. All right. So talk to me about, you know, why food? Like, why food? Why farming? Like, how did you gotcha. enter into that space and that, that passion for you? So people that have seen me do the work in the city – they, um, a lot of them kind of ran into me via the TED Talk. Mm -hmm. they, seen, they seen stuff on Instagram, but the TED Talk and everything that led to the TED Talk is really what was like the culminating moment of why food, why am I doing it the way that I did it. Uh, 2013, my uncle died, um, and we went to, my parents and I, we all went to Jamaica to uh, bury him. But mm -hmm. at the time of burying him is when I realized that, my family has a rich history in agriculture, and I did not know that. Mm. You know, you don't do agriculture when you're in America. For most people, it's normal back right. in the island. Because, like, yeah. you don't grow your own food. Where is it coming from? You know, you only, you only got an ocean around you. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure your stuff out. And um, as a child, we used to always, you know, have gardens and do these things. And it was just like, golly, I hated it. Mm. But in that moment of understanding my family, understanding family culture, seeing how much space we actually had out there in Jamaica. Like, we got acres in Jamaica where, you know, you can overlook the mountain and see all this stuff. And the way that the people embraced my uncle and my family was like, all right, you know what? I could do this. Mm. Uh, I came back to Louisville and said, you know, I'm going to do the chicken thing and have chickens in my backyard and figured out, like, the ordinances on what you could and what you couldn't do and start off with, you know, three, just like any regular person that's going to do this stuff, they normally say, I only want two or three. I don't want a whole bunch of them. Everybody says that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like uh, chickens are like the gateway drug in agriculture. Like, you start off with one thing and say they're not going to do nothing, and then like, oh, I ain't going to do that. But if you actually start to enjoy it and you get into it, it gets deeper. Yeah. There's a thing out there called chicken math where, like, again, you start off with two or three, and then you end up with, like, 60. And it's like, how do you end up with so many? It's because you actually start to care about your animals. You care about where your food comes from. You realize, like, it's more important to have 
a bunch of chickens than a bunch of dogs because dogs poop everywhere. Chickens, when they poop, at least you get nitrogen from it. You get breakfast out of it. And if you decide to one day you want to call a flock, you got food. So, right. like, it's really tied in. Um, and then the thing that was happening uh, was, you know, as I started to tell people about it, it was like, oh, man, you crazy. It's like, how am I crazy for one being an owner? Mm-hmm. You want to tell me because I own livestock that I'm wrong, but you go to the store to buy the same thing. You that much better than me? You think? When we was in Jamaica, when we was in Jamaica during that week, um, I noticed a lot about my diet that happened again only in a, a week span of time. But it was everything that we wanted was fresh. Mm-hmm. There was no orange juice from the store. Mm-hmm. There was the orange on the tree that you had to hand squeeze to drink. There wasn't a, let me go to the store and get a carton of eggs. It was find out where the hen is running from, open up the bushes, pick up the eggs out of there, and then eat your breakfast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the greens from the garden is what you cut right then and there, bring back, washed, and then consumed. Mm-hmm. Who else eat fresher than that? Kings don't even eat. I mean, King's the closest person that's going to eat that fresh. Freshly squeezed orange juice, freshly picked vegetables, and you know all that stuff, and start to eat. And then in my mind, I just had a mind shift, and was just like, all right, so I know I'm on to something that not everybody's there yet. And uh, you know, people they listened to Dr. Sebi, and they did all that. You know, people started going in that route. A lot of holistic stuff started happening, eating organic, and what's organic, and all all that mess. But that's really why food happened. Yeah. So. You know, what you're describing is, you know, another way that folks talk about it is is this idea of sovereignty, right? Like this idea that Correct. you get to own and control more than just own. Like this idea that you get to control what is happening in, in these in this particular space, your your food space, right? Like you oh, get yeah. to do that. And so how much of what you've what you've experienced and what you've learned, I guess, how much pride is there in 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 the recognition of like, I get to own this, I control my own space. It's a lot of that because again, the the joke that would always happen was like, "Yo, you got this stuff," and I'm like, "Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. You don't. Mm-hmm. What's funny, like?" <laughs> What's funny about being a person that owns something? Like, like why? What? Like, where in your mind do you not see that ownership is actually a good thing? Uh, being able to take care and steward animals and land and all—that's all a good thing. Mm-hmm. You might have it backwards, and you might be bamboozled, not realizing that if you aren't a part of that part of the system, you on the other side where people are just feeding you what they want to feed you. Mm-hmm. Watch this example, right? I got I got chickens. Um, I have chickens that lay brown eggs, chickens that lay white eggs, chickens that lay blue, different color eggs. Mm-hmm. Based on the birds, there are some birds that lay a certain amount of eggs during a season, during a year. Mm-hmm. The the birds that lay the most eggs commercially, if I was a commercial farmer, commercial being I'm trying to make money, mm-hmm. those eggs would be the eggs that I would want to sell first. Why? Because I get the most per the food that I give the bird. The other ones that might not yield so much, I'll just keep for myself because 
at that point, I'm eating into my own money if I use the ones for commercial. Mm-hmm. People would come up to the farmer's market and say, well, the white eggs, they not organic, but the brown ones are. And I'd be like, okay, so if that bird and that bird that laid that egg and that egg was in the same flock and they ate the same food, you're telling me just because that one's a different color, it's organic and that one's not? Mm-hmm. And then they would sit there and be like, well, you know, I, 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 never, I never thought about that, man. You know, damn, you right. Yeah, I know. But it take common sense. And a lot of people don't have common sense because they don't know nothing. They don't know none of that stuff. They just assume because a package says, this is organic, that's organic. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where did organic really come from? Organic is natural farming, where you farm without chemicals. Mm-hmm. You let a group of people take the culture and thing that you did naturally, because who was going to put chemicals into their own food? Mm-hmm. You let somebody else say, all right, well, if you don't do this, we're going to certify it and make it a thing that's now more profitable. Because mm. that's really what organic is to me. Right. It's the commercialization of natural farming. Because mm. if you just naturally do this, who's to say what you're growing in your backyard ain't organic? Right. Yeah, so for those who ain't pick it up, like just because your eggs is brown don't make them organic. And just because your eggs is white don't mean they're not organic. Right. You, you, you read the label, understand the process. Turn your dreams of home ownership into reality with the Center for Housing and Financial Empowerment. Our dedicated team will help you prepare your finances, boost your credit, and nurture your financial well-being. We offer informative classes to guide you through the home buying process and provide one-on-one counseling with a trusted HUD certified housing counselor. For more information, call 502-585-4622 or visit lul.org slash housing. But I think that speaks to, you know, in, in you and I and in the group, and we're going to get into to Project Killamone here in a little bit, but there is an unfortunate reality of particularly for black people in America, and I'm sure this is true in other places, in other countries as well, but I I can only speak to this existence, is that for many black people in this country, particularly those of us who live in urban centers, we have been forcibly divorced from agriculture, from the land, from this connection that we naturally have that you just spoke of, like that historically is a part of who we are and what we do. Um, And when I say forcibly divorced from that, I mean not just in the sense that, oh, now you live in a city, but also because there is this very real and traumatic history that is associated with black people and land that is connected directly to the institution of slavery. And so many people um, in this space shun, and I wonder if this is your experience, that, and, and I wonder if this is, was your personal experience in, in addition to what your, your experience is now with um, community, uh-huh. that a lot of people shun this idea of farming or land sovereignty or food sovereignty and all that comes with it because they associate it with the harm that was done right. to us. And so I ain't going to do that because, you know, I ain't a slave anymore. We ain't going to do it. Like, and there is this, there's this block 
that prevents us from getting to the thing that is, quite frankly, rightfully ours. I think a lot of that, uh, first of all, yes, I agree. That's a part of it. Um, but also the lack of knowledge. Um, without that part of education, without that desire to want to eat better or to know where your stuff is coming from, it's easier for you to say that you don't want to do something like that. Or, mm -hmm. man, that's hard. I'm not about to do that. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different avenues in agriculture that if understood, it would be something that a person would want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to you know, use this example. You know, my parents are Jamaican. Uh, that, that's the island of. Everybody say ganja is the healing of the nation. Ganja is what? A plant. If you smoke weed, you a part of ag somewhere. Hmm. If you a part of that culture where you you profiteer from it, you're part of it somewhere because that's still agriculture. Mm -hmm. But again, some people don't make that tie. They think it's, oh, it's this and it's that. Well, I mean, there's there's legalization and laws put in place for people to be able to do that, what well, well, I would say to be the right way. Mm. And it could be profitable if you're saying, all right, I don't want to... I don't want to do this. I won't put my hands in the ground, but you still want to make money. Mm -hmm. So, how, like, you can still be an ag some way. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have to just be with putting your hands in the dirt for food to eat. It could be in the fiber and the textures that come from mm -hmm. different agriculture. And uh, and there's so many different, like I said, there's so many different avenues for uh, anything ag and mechanical because that's really the ag space. Is how do you engineer a uh, a piece of property to yield more than what you would have thought that could have came from it. That's ag. Um, cutting grass. There's so many people that I know that that look like me that say, man, you know what? I'm going to walk around the neighborhood with my lawnmower. You in the ag space. Hmm. You're in agriculture. You cutting grass. You, you're doing agriculture work. Man, I like fishing on the weekends. That's agriculture. Hmm. It's just that we don't make those ties because we just think, well, it's this and it's not that. I mean, there's a there's a way to do it to where you could tie it and make money. So, mm -hmm. so how for you when you're talking to whether it be young people, old people, I mean, anybody, how do you break that barrier? It's the same between. way you just heard me do it. If if I could ask you if you like fishing, oh, I love fishing. Well, you know, if you like fishing. That's agriculture, and you're tied into agriculture, too. So as much as you may think of the planting of plants or the picking of cotton as one thing, and that's just the part that's tied in your mind, the other part that you actually like, that you still do, you, you still in agriculture that way. And learn how to use that door to, to open up conversation. I did a, a workshop with some kids the other day and just talking about just food traveling around. And uh, if you don't know about uh, persimmons, the fruit, mm. if you eat persimmons too early, it'll dry your whole mouth out. Mm. It's also the harder, like when, when, when you do that, the tactins in it will dry your mouth out and it's when it's not fully ripe. We get food in the grocery store that's like that. Mm -hmm. Our stuff comes from other places. And when, like, if you ever picked up an avocado in the store and be like, man, it's so hard. Or if you watch people when they, when they go shopping for fruit, they're spinning it, turning it, and feeling the texture of it. 
I had to explain to some kids, it was like, well, if you like avocados or if you like guacamole uh, and you went to the store and you did that, like, and you, what kind of avocado would you pick up? I'll pick up a soft one. All right, cool. Well, then touch this. They touched the persimmon. This is hard. I said, would you rather eat that? Well, yeah, it looks pretty. I said, go ahead, bite into it. They bite into it. They hold my mouth dry out, and they're like, oh, man, I don't like this. What is this? I said, all right, well, then try this one. It's softer. It don't look too well, but taste it. Completely different fruit. And I use that example to say this is how I open those doors and teach people. You got to teach people how things work, the way it works. The, the same lesson that your granny would have gave you that your mama didn't give you. Mm. And then try to use that to, to make pathways for people to understand or be receptive to, you know, having food in their, in their spaces. Mm. Are you interested in receiving the COVID-19 vaccine but worried about the cost? Through the CDC's Bridge Access Program, you can get the updated COVID-19 vaccine for free, regardless of your insurance status. Simply visit CVS, Walgreens, Etru North Network Pharmacies, or HRSA-supported health centers. It's easy, accessible, and free. To find a provider, visit vaccines.gov and scroll down to the Bridge Access Program. That's vaccines.gov. This message is brought to you in partnership with the CDC and the National Urban League. So let's talk a little bit about the urban farming ecosystem that exists in Louisville, right? Like, I think mm. this is one of the things that is probably little known, right? Like, about Louisville. Very little I, known. You know, and, I, and this is probably true in a lot of urban cities, is that urban farming exists and it happens in lots of different places. Um but it's not something that a lot of people know about. It's not something that a lot of people talk about. And obviously, different places, it's further along than others. But um, you obviously are tapped into um, kind of the urban farming community here in Louisville. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on in that space? Oh, yeah. So as far as me in Louisville and, and, and being tapped in, like, when I started my when I started my urban farm space, I um, I went through the same phases that I feel most people when they're doing this go through. If you eat, you can even look on my Instagram for it because the proof is there. The page started, and for almost a year, two plus years, three years, four years, it was just pictures of chickens and things that I did in the space, but you never would see my face on there. Mm -hmm. I never showed my face. You could never tell there was a black person behind the page, uh, unless unless you knew like just where or what or how things were posted, mm -hmm. the, the the language in which it was written wouldn't indicate that. Right. You know, I, I come from a commercial, uh, uh, a communication background. My degree's in communication. Mm -hmm. I can sit here and produce a whole show and you would think that it was done on ESPN with X amount of people when really it's just me. Mm -hmm. um, but the page was was done in a way, it was crafted to where you couldn't tell who the person was, the gender, any of that. It was just backyard birds and, and farming, uh, urban farming. Uh, fast forward to when I started to post about myself and what I was doing, uh, and people seemed like, oh, it's a black person that runs this page. Like, well, well, why is this black person running this page? Or what are you doing? Or how, how, do, you, how do you get this stuff started? Or it was, it was more of me now trying to expose people to, hey, like this is stuff that we all as people can do too. This mm -hmm. is something that we all, all have access to. Um, and then breaking down stigmas, because I went through the same thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to post myself. I didn't want to talk about uh, having chickens. I thought it was a, a poor thing until, and I said this earlier, I had to recondition my brain to be like, well, 
where else do you eat fresh like this? Mm-hmm. You can't eat fresh nowhere else unless you were royalty. I had to recondition the thoughts that I had about what I was doing. And then once I did that, the page took another turn and it took off. I jumped into so many different conversations and uh, trying to find more urban farms out here, uh, try to find more people that was doing urban ag and didn't realize that there weren't people out here like me. Hmm. Yeah, I had chickens, but I had way too many chickens. <laughs> I did goats. Nobody did goats. Hmm. I did ducks, quail. I'm doing all of these things in a regular city space that, I mean, if you read the ordinance, you're allowed to. Mm-hmm. But why isn't anybody doing it? The stigma of it being poor. It's nasty. It's dirty. It stink. It's it's all the things that you don't want to be associated with, but at the same time, you do want to be associated with healthy food. Mm-hmm. So it's like, where's the balance? Either you get in or you get out. So I jumped in and... um. I went head first and was was all the way. Yeah, and there, I mean, there are a lot of other folks who are in this, right? Like, so you got the way in which you're doing it, um, but there are folks who are, um, you know, there are organizations that are doing this. I mean, Catholic Charities is probably the biggest consolidated organization that's doing it in terms of the number of farms and space that they have. But you got other folks who are doing backyard farms, backyard gardens. Um, other things that are happening, like what is like you speak to kind of the diversity of the space in terms of what's going on um, across our urban farming community. So in uh, Louisville, what what we may have that's, you know, relatively unique to us is those large community gardens that um, that's being rented out by people. I think that that's something that that stands out in the Louisville agriculture space. And I'm saying this as a person that has traveled to over 10 different, 15 different cities to see what other people are doing in urban ag. Um, Detroit probably do it way better than us, but that's the closest set Mm -hmm. as far as like large urban gardens that's community driven. Um, The things that we lack is uh, the diversity in the types of people that's doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough diversity. We don't have enough um, community built around it because, you know, again, the stigmas. Yeah. So where you might have one or two groups that do guerrilla growing, we need more of that. We need more people to say, all right, this is a green space. It's public. How can we turn this public green space into a food forest to where the homeless population just, could just come, grab something, and go. How we how could we turn this part of the park into something where uh, during the, the summer or the springtime, some people are growing, summertime, fruits are there, vegetables are there, people come pick, and they eat. Like, there's not enough gorilla growing here. Um, there's not enough um, personal spaces where we all grow in our own backyards and, and give away. Uh, Mario Gardner, she's a uh, Fifth Element Farms with Michael. Gosh, Mike, my bad. But Mario and Michael, they got Fifth Element Farms. They are Fifth Element Farm. They grow all their produce in the Parkland neighborhood, and then they give it away. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, she's one of a kind in that. In that, they give their stuff away. Nobody else is doing that. Other cities do this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's. Uh, this weekend, I just came from New Orleans. 
you're a rock you're a rock's throw away from an urban garden in New Orleans. Period. You could turn a block. Somebody's growing something on a vacant lot, and it's so many of it out there, to where if somebody was to say they was hungry or they they was running into a food food problem, you just didn't talk to somebody because I can't see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could not see it. There's so much going on out there. Um, Dallas, been to Dallas, same thing. They have it set up to where a lot of the stuff that they're doing is a little bit more commercial. Uh, Detroit, same way, more commercial. But what Louisville needs with this diversity of spaces is just you just need more people to be involved with it. The stuff that Cap- that Catholic Charities does is great, but that's more for African people and in, in, um, migrant or immigrants that come in and they have a, a sense of community with themselves growing the stuff that they grow for what they have. We as a, a people in Louisville, we don't really have a lot of that and we just gotta find a way to change it. Mm. When your child enrolls in Kumon, they can reach math and reading mastery that will allow them to have a lifetime of advantages. Kumon is an academic achievement program, preschool through high school, the world's most successful after school learning program. To enroll today, contact us directly at 502-552-0014. Wellington Kumon, located at 3610 Mall Road, next to Target in the Newburgh area. So enter into this conversation is um, Project Kilimo and what we're doing here at the Louisville Urban League. And so just for, you know, folks who to catch people up, if you don't recall, we at the Louisville Urban League were granted um, some money through the USDA to be able to come and help um, with urban farming in our community. It was us and one other affiliate in the nation out in Philly um, who is doing this space. And so we, the league specifically, are you know, newcomers to this space, right? Like we obviously support um, and have supported, you know, food justice stuff and, and in terms of getting people access to food and all that sort of stuff. But the urban farming thing is was was brand new, but we saw this as an opportunity to be able to um, enhance and impact what was already going in this space. And, and so we're doing that. We're trying to figure out exactly what our impact is going to be. And we're doing that through um, the use of, of some wonderful fellows uh, folks from community who are invested in the farm space and Vaughn uh, here is is one of our lead fellows um, who is doing this work. And so he and his team are, are trying to figure out what we're going to do, what we as the league are going to be in this space as well. But I think a big part of that speaks to Vaughn, you know, what you just talked about in terms of there is this, um, there's a lot going on in the space, but there's not as much diversity in the space. And so one of the charges for Project Kilimo and anything that we do is gonna be to focus on black people in the West End and connecting them um, in, in to opportunities to be able to get their hands dirty, to be able to put um, their hands in the dirt and to be able to produce um, their own. And so. What are you looking forward to, Vaughn, 
in terms of what is um, going to come out of this? Um, so Urban League has six pillars. Of the six, Killamo Project addresses four of them. Justice, education, health, and black business. If done correctly, people will be educated. They will have healthier food. Mm-hmm. They will then be able to have a black business, which will help them have justice for the food that they're creating for themselves. Mm. If those businesses are done correctly, they are now becoming self-sustained. And that's one of the goals, like the biggest goal for Project Kilimo. And um, correction, it's our team, yeah. not just my team. Right. I would definitely like to make sure I shout out Mike, uh, Enitra, Carl, Liz, and Mark, everybody that's doing work, that's putting all this stuff together. Uh, we've been just looking at different techniques, looking at different programming, different educational sources to have a really good package together for a cohort of people that are interested in wanting to have more or less organic food or source food in their own spaces. So that's what Project Kilimo is all about. Uh, and then Kilimo, a Swahili word that means agriculture or slash farmer, um, project farmer, farmer project. Uh, that's what this is all about. So hopefully we get some people interested in it and then we can add that diversity back into Louisville that Louisville so direly needs. Absolutely. And I mean, I think it's important that, you know, in my commitment as, as president and CEO is, and, and the whole team knows this is for us to be additive and not extractive, right? Like the Correct. goal for us is to figure out how do we enhance um, the space? How do we create something that is sustainable, um, but ultimately that is helpful uh, to the community? And then, you know, our commitment right now is is two years, um, and then we'll see. At the end of that two years, we'll figure out if, if the league is still needed in the space to be able to do some things, then we'll stick around. Um, but if not, then we are more than happy uh, to kind of seed whatever was created over to um, others to continue on and to do that work because ultimately this isn't about, you know, us owning something or being in a space, but it is about creating space for others to own for themselves and to to lead for themselves um, in this space. And so I'm, I'm super excited um, about what is coming but I will say this for folks who are listening is that, you know, we need, you know, we need more folks to, to invest, right? Like I think oh, yeah. that, is, that is the space um, and the benefit of the league because I know that was always a question once we announced this, which is like, oh, well, why is the league getting into this space? Well, one, I mean, we were approached. We didn't apply. We didn't ask for it. But I think the other part to this is I recognize the reality that sometimes the name and the brand of the league is going to attract some people that otherwise might not show up. Um, and I'm more than willing to leverage that brand and to leverage that name um, for the good of the people. And so we we need some folks to, to be able to show up, um, to be able to help us. Uh, we hope to be able to get our hands on some land, um, to be able to create spaces and, and, and to do some really special things um, that will be sustained long term. Um, yep, 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 in this yep, community yep. and so 
Louisville Urban League's Kentuckiana Bills program is your introduction to the skills trades that lead to careers in construction, plumbing, electrical, carpentry, and HVAC. This six-week hands-on and technical education program provides training for job seekers to earn three national credentials, JCTC credit, all while connecting employers with a qualified, skilled workforce. This innovative partnership is funded by Kentuckiana Works and the Kentucky Education and Workforce Development Cabinet. For more information, visit lul.org backslash jobs. Before I let you get out of here, a couple other things. Policy, right? Um, I know you've done, and some of the other folks in, in, the, in the urban ag space, um, are really keen on policy. Can you talk and tell the people just kind of what that intersection is? Because I think there are some people who think like, all right, cool, you got a yard, go plant something in it, right? And it's just like, that's, that's just it. But um, I know that I have learned quickly and I know that you have a long history and experience in that it, it's not always that simple. It's not always that easy. And so where is the connection um, between policy and the urban farming work? So, uh, I got to make sure I, like, I watch myself with this because policy can get really tricky. It's, it's one of those doors that if you open it and somebody see that you don't open the door, they, they come after you. Mm-hmm. Um, policy work in urban agriculture is um, it's important to be a part of. It's important to be involved with so you know what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what happens with people is they don't know what they don't know, and because they don't know, stuff just be happening. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, hey, why did that happen? It's like, well, you don't know because you don't show up to no meetings. Why don't I want to go to no meetings? Well, you ain't going to find out, and people going to make decisions for you. Mm-hmm. So you actually have to be at that community meeting. You have to be at that board meeting. You got to show up to that the boring crap that you don't want to show up to because – that's where all them decisions get made. Mm-hmm. And and literally, I mean, shoot, just thinking about it from like just being a business owner, I have made some business decisions sitting down with somebody over lunch. Mm. Those those lunch meetings be the meetings where a lot of stuff happened. Mm. Like, man, we're going to do this, 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 and this. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. All right, cool. When we do have our big meeting, that's what we're going to say. Mm. Bet. That's a lot of how policy be working. Mm-hmm. Man, don't nobody want to uh, uh, have, you know, native pollinators. Well, let's just pass a weed ordinance if these things get too tall. Yeah, we can make money off that. I could just see the city just t- just out of city top, and the city, yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's let's do that. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, your grass growing too tall, and they finding you for it. Um, and I'm using that as a real example because this por- this portions of the city, if you have an HOA, you can't grow native pollinators. Native pollinators are your bees and your and your butterflies that make all your fruits and vegetables happen. Mm. And you don't. Where do you have native pollinators in the city? If mm. you don't have that in the city, then how do you grow in the city? Mm. You need something to pollinate your plants. So it's it's kind of like a, a a system where all things work in conjunction with each other. Mm. Uh, thank God for and I'm sh- shout out uh, Jody and uh, and Mariah. If if they didn't help get a ordinance passed for native pollinators, there wouldn't be so many spaces that have flowers and native pollinators around that allows for the butterflies and the bees to happen. Uh, no, butter, no, no bees, no honey, no bees, no, no pollination of fruits and vegetables. 
no fruits and vegetables, no local food. Mm-hmm. So you need the you need that stuff, and it all ties into what policy. Because right. if you don't you don't make it to those beatings, or you don't know about it, people start cutting that stuff out. Yeah. No, I mean I think that's important, and it's it's not just in terms of what you can grow, but even who has access to be able to grow. Um, you know, uh, yeah. on on certain lands, right? Like, and so there are things that have allowed for, for instance, urban farmers to be able to get their hands on certain piece of property, but there are still restrictions in terms of practice. That that's that land people. bank stuff. Yeah, that's and that, so that's that land bank that are preventing people from a, being able to get it right. And it's and the thing about it is, and this is, and I I, I bring this up for for the listeners. In terms of this being, because y'all hear on this podcast and y'all hear us shout from the Urban League all the time, that right, your participation in in civics, in in your local government, going Vital. to vote, showing up at committee meetings, Vital. letting your like it is so critical, right? Like because it impacts not just the big stuff, but it's the little stuff that it impacts. It impacts just what Vaughn was sharing in terms of this idea around what you can grow and whether or not and how that impacts your ability to actually produce plants. I mean, fruit bearing plants and vegetables and all those sorts of things. But who has access to the land to be able to get? We talk about all the time, all the vacant abandoned properties that we have here in Louisville. And I'm sure there's somebody sitting there and be like, well, y'all want to grow farms. Y'all talk about black people ain't got access to farms. What about all them vacant abandoned properties? Guess what? There's a process Man. through which you Let have to go to to be, able to, to be able to do it. <laughs> and that process is not as clear or as easy or accessible um, as you all think it is. But go ahead, Vaughn. That, that, that one is one of the trickiest situations in Louisville. Uh, history. History story. There's a, a lady that owns a couple properties in Portland. She got three of them adjacent to each other when Land Bank first started moving around and doing this thing in Louisville. She gets these three properties, and then instead of developing a house on these three properties and uh, having a dwelling that was something that you could live in that was taxable, she started a food forest, and she called it Lots of Foods, mm-hmm. right? So Lots of Foods, your abandoned Lots mm-hmm. of Foods, mm-hmm. was something that she now does in you know the neighborhood. When the city realized that that's what she was doing, she was making an urban garden, they said, you know what? We're not going to allow people to just purchase land to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Policy change. Now, all of a sudden, this policy change happens, and other people want to be able to do the same thing. Why? Because that's another form of business. You could have your agribusiness going while you do your regular stuff. Because, I mean, again, it's a business. Mm-hmm. Why is this white lady the only one that can do that? And there's people that's in the West that can't get properties like that. Right. Why? Because they changed the policy. Mm-hmm. Why don't they want to create more black business owners? Mm, I don't know. We wasn't a part of the policy change. We wasn't in these meetings. Nobody knows that stuff. And then um, to fast forward now, if you look at Land Bank and what the Land Bank is saying, uh, in order to do something ag-related, they'd only lease it to you. Right. Food literacy, food literacy Project, FLP. They, they're on the Aircourse property off of Teller Boulevard uh, a couple years ago. And this is all stuff that you can Google. Over there is about seven plus eight acres. If, you, if you're driving on 264, leaving by Dixie, heading to the east, mm. you'll see over to your right-hand side a bunch of green. Mm-hmm. 
ain't nothing there. Just, just contaminated. They say contaminated land. Mm -hmm. Well, for some portion of time, there was food literacy project. There was a uh, uh, hope, uh, Garden of Hope, or I forgot what the name of the organization was, uh, but Hope Garden. Let's call it Hope Garden, and uh, the other group that's in Portland right now, uh, Louisville Grows. All three of these organizations occupied this space, mm -hmm. urban ag space. They were growing food on it, and that same food that they was growing, they was able to sell to the Save a Lot that's on Teller Boulevard. Mm. So if you want to talk about locally sourced food, it couldn't have been more local than that because in the front they got the, the grocery store, and the back is the farm that the stuff was coming from. Mm -hmm. The city says, oh, we're going to take this property and develop uh, affordable housing. Y'all got to go. It's been two years since they have left that property and has nothing. The city has not done anything with it. Nothing. Mm. They haven't developed a, a, a nothing on it. They end up having to go to 44th at the People's Garden. Right. They're at the People's Garden for a year. The city turned around and again and say, all right, cool, man, we're going to take this lease. So I tell you these stories, I say these stories to then enhance this thought. It don't make sense to try to lease property from the city because the city has a track record of doing what they said that they not going to do, which is snatch the land from underneath you. Mm -hmm. If they could snatch it from a white-led organization, a women, white-led organization like Food Literacy Project, not once but twice, oh, yeah, uh, the brother man don't stand a chance. So I don't look at trying to lease no property from nobody. If I want it, I want to buy it outright. I want to own it because mm -hmm. I don't want nobody to tell me, hey, man, nah, they're going to develop a house on it. You got to go. Because, mm -hmm. again, they don't, have no they don't have no problem with lots of food having a property when she purchased. But it's now a new thing because they enacted different policy. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that just speaks to the the complexities of all these things right and it's and it is important for us to understand those things as a community because they impact us right like and so and folks can decide you know i'm sure there's somebody sitting out there and be like well what if you know neighborhood xyz you know we don't want a bunch of farms that's fair right like i think that's a fair and and, and valid concern however for the city to unilaterally make that decision, right? And not to allow community to decide for themselves, right? Like this is why neighborhood associations and HOAs and those sorts of things exist. It's so that neighbors can get together and they can decide what they want as a community and what they want to be allowed in. And currently that is not a process that is, that is happening equitably um, across our city. And so policy, even in this space, is incredibly important and something that we have to be paying attention to and something that you know the league is going to be paying attention to and our fellows are going to be paying attention to um, because it matters because if we're ultimately going to get to a place where access is equitable and sustainable um, there's going to be there's going to be a requirement of the policies and the practices um, at the city level, and some of these honestly are even beyond the city. Some of these are state things that have to happen, um, but all of that stuff is going to have to change in order for us to get to the place that we want to be. All right, Vaughn. So last thing that I ask folks um, is, 
What is, um, and you can think about it in, in the context of, of urban ag or just in general, but what is your hope for Louisville? Um, gosh, so many, so many, so many. Um, my first hope for Louisville would be to have uh, more nerdy intellects show up to an event that I put on at a brewery once a month called Nerd Night. It's Nerd, N-I-T-E, uh, Louisville, Nerd Night, Louisville, where I get three speakers. They talk about whatever they nerd out about. And um, I had a friend that was, they, they ran that spot, and um, they ended up passing away in April. And since April till now, I run that event once a month. Another hope for mine is to have the same thing happen in Lexington. Um, my third hope is that uh, people start doing way more guerrilla gardening. Uh, we just gotta, we just gotta be active. We gotta go. We can't wait for the city to say this is policy. This is this and this is that. I like people to just like get up and try to do something about it because until you start to activate and make change happen, ain't nothing gonna change. Don't nobody wanna. They don't wanna ruffle feathers. They don't wanna move nothing around. You gotta wanna move something around. Um, and I think with, with even just those two situations, Nerd Night and um, the hope of guerrilla gardening, uh, you develop more intellects in the city, people that are willing to listen to different sectors and voices and faces of people. And then also, again, we get more food in the neighborhood. Um, I was blessed to be one of the first, well, to be the first pe person that spoke this year in 2023. And I spoke about having urban chickens and chicken math. And uh, since then, did the TED Talk, ran the event, uh, traveled around seeing other urban spaces and being able to open up a lot of doors for myself because of public speaking and talking to people. Like, I like looking like the person that don't look like I know a damn thing or like I'm walking in a room uneducated about stuff and then when people are like, oh, wait, you know that person? Or you sat down with this person? Or you talked to them? Like, yeah, I got a lot of cool friends. It's like, oh, crap, okay. I didn't know you was connected out that way. You know, yeah, I, I try to carry myself a particular way. But in that same space, I get to open doors and, and give access to people that don't normally have access. So that's pretty much it. That's my hopes. Well, I appreciate it. And Vaughn, man, I, I thank you for, for joining the pod, man. No I appreciate problem. the opportunity to talk. And, and you and I are only just getting to know each other. Um, but I'm looking forward to it because I know in the short time, um, one, your reputation precedes you. Um, so I, I hope. I knew in a good I, way. In a good way. But yeah, <laughs> I knew about you before I got the opportunity to meet you and folks have spoken so highly of you. Um, and not just in, in the ag community, the urban ag community, but really in lots of different spaces. Um, and then since getting to know you, I've seen that prove itself out. Like you're somebody who cares um, about not just this work and not just this particular area um, of interest, but you, you care about it in the sense that it, you know how much it matters and what it can do for people. Yes. Um, and that all of this space something we can't say enough about is that you know when when we at the urban league when we talk about jobs when we talk about um, housing when we talk about uh, financial empowerment when we talk
talk about health, we talk about these things, we're always, in a sense, using those things as a euphemism for freedom, right, for people, because if you can get um, those things in the right way, um, tailored to your particular situation, there's freedom in that. And the same is true for you and food and agriculture, is understanding that this is ultimately about freedom and about allowing people generations to be able to experience a level of freedom that um, in many regards has been stolen from us. So um, I'm excited about what we're going to do together through Kilmo, uh, but also just to continue to see you grow and flourish. Thank you so much uh, for all the work that you do and, and all that you have done uh, in this space. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is Listen Up to the Urban League Radio Show Podcast. I am Linda Pryor, the President and CEO and your host. Remember, you can find us every week on Thursdays around noon. Um, be sure to find us any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Subscribe, rate us, review us, let us know what you think of the show. I hope that you have a safe um, and healthy week, uh, Louisville. It's getting cold out there, y'all. Y'all bundle up. Um, and, and, you know, stay out of these icy streets. But uh, all in all, just enjoy yourselves. I said it heading into the Thanksgiving break, and I'll say it again as we move towards the winter holidays. Um, the holidays are rough for folks, um, so be kind to each other. Um, extend grace, take care of one another, um, and just remember to be gentle. Um, but ultimately, always look to find joy and peace um, wherever you are. It is my pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you all next week. Peace. Peace. The Louisville Urban League wants to make sure that every student thrives academically. And to make that possible, the league is offering free intensive tutoring to JCPS students who qualify. Kindergarten through 12th grade students can receive export help in reading, math, and ACT prep. Kids like me deserve every opportunity to succeed in to reach our greatest potential. Sign your student up today. To learn more, visit lul.org or call 502-585-4622.